It's the Adults in the Room podcast, podcast number 28. And today we're booked up, so let's just get to it. Next week, a talk with the wonderful retired Navy EOD hero. I call him a hero. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't say that, but there's a nice fulfilling story behind it. Our next installation of Leaving California is coming up in just a second. And two moms fight back after being forced out of a school board meeting where they just wanted to talk about mask mandates and mandated curricula on critical race theory. The story of what happened to them is unbelievable. That story will make your jaw go slack. The story of a couple of moms going to the school board meeting, following the rules, until the board really didn't want to hear them anymore. And it's our next installment of Leaving California. This one's kind of funny because our interviewee is outside enjoying the weather, so there is a little noise, but enjoy it. Tell me a little bit about what happened, sort of the timeline of this running outrage that occurred on May 11th, Patty. Okay, well, let me start at the very beginning. Um, In order to attend our open public meetings here in the Washougal School District, um, they have a time limit of before 3 o'clock the day before, you have to send an email to their admin to let them be aware that you want to come in person and that you would like to publicly address the board. Upon receipt of that, the admin replies stating that due to COVID, They will be doing contact tracing, so in order for us to attend in person, we need to provide our full name, our phone number, and our home address. I did these requirements, even though against um, the Open Public Meetings Act, um, that's actually against the law. So they asked to show up 15 minutes prior to the public session of the meeting. Um, Upon arriving, the assistant superintendent was standing in front of the single door, which he had locked, um, like a security guard, (laughs) told us that it was required to take our temperature and that we needed to put our mask on before we proceeded inside. I complied. He turned around, unlocked the door, and let me inside for the public meeting. Upon entry, there was a sign-in sheet. We had to sign in, give our phone number again, our residence address, and that we complied to have our temperature checked. And then we could take a seat in the public meeting. Now, for this, <clears throat> for Washougal School District, um, they had all the chairs socially distanced, six feet apart. So in our forum, we were only allowed six seats. I didn't know at the time, but I found out later, three of those six seats for the public at this particular meeting on May 11th 
were taken up by three fellow educators in the school district. The other three seats were taken up by me and two other community members. One of the community members was sitting in the very back, and she did not have her mask on. And the superintendent, Mary Templeton, was standing over her as she was seated and telling her in order to be in this meeting, she needed to wear a mask. The community member specifically stated several times under state law, federal law, she has a right to be there. She does not have to wear a mask, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this went on. Oh, probably for a good 20 minutes. And it was finally the frustration of that. Um, me and Mel both spoke up that we had absolutely no problem with her sitting in the back of this meeting room next to the door without her mask on. And to the board, not what the superintendent and vice superintendent were doing to this community member, but to the board, that me and Mel spoke up and stated that we had no issue with this. That was a disruption to the board meeting. So one of the board members immediately got up and went and got the president of the board, who was not even in the room at the moment. He comes out and requests to adjourn the meeting due to a disruption and has all members vote. They all say aye, and they get up, and they start to leave the room. And we're all just sitting there, me and Mel, just like, what, what is going on? What happened? Does this mean, like, we, we don't even get to speak? Like, you're not even going to hear us out? The meeting's over? Yes, the boardroom needs to be cleared. And then I was like, well, what does adjourn mean? I, I wasn't, I, this is my first board meeting ever. I wasn't, my daughter's young. I, I didn't know their protocols. Um, I'm like, is this meeting canceled? And the superintendent informed me, yes, and that the boardroom needed to be cleared. So we all got up and we walked out of the building, same with the fellow educators, and proceeded to our cars. On our way home, because there were several parents on the Zoom portion waiting to hear us speak, um, they got in touch with us and told us that the board had resumed or started the meeting. We were both appalled by this, so we yeah. turned around to go back to the district building. Like, you told us there was a disruption, the meeting was canceled, the board needed to be cleared, and then when you had us leave, you started the meeting again. Yep. Um, totally unjust. What were you there so to we, talk about? I mean, eventually get to that because I think people need yeah. to know why they didn't want to hear you. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely will get to that. Um, so upon our return, we walk up to the door and the door is locked and we knock on the door and we're like, this is a public and they're all sitting down in there. They're all chatting. And we're like, this is a public meeting. Like we're here. We are the public. And there was a window right next to the door that was open. And we were like, this is a public meeting. Can we come in? Like, because we noticed at the window that two of those three 
fellow educators that were sitting in the public section of the meeting were back in the meeting. And they literally shut the window in our face and they thought it was funny. What did they do? They they started laughing. Yes. Yes. It was so appalling and so shocking. Like I was standing there just trying to process this information um, in complete disbelief that this is literally occurring. All of it from square one of what I had to do just to attend a public meeting up until them canceling the meeting, returning and locking out the public. Like I, I was astounded. Mm-hmm. The, and fi- the fix was in. Oh, to- I, I 100%. Yes. I believe that because we went there to speak on the mass mandates that are still placed upon our children in the public school system and critical race theory, because they are in the Washougal school district. They are trying to put a policy in place for equity, diversity and inclusion, AKA critical race theory. And I wanted to speak out against those things. So I definitely feel if, If the unmasked community member wasn't their claimancy to a disruption, I do feel there was a possibility that something else would have been a disruption to remove some public members from that meeting. They They didn't want contention. Yes. Ah. And and these are the ones who speak, right, about inclusion, yet – they excluded us. They speak about diversity, yet they're totally against diversity of thought. Sounds about right. So, uh, so, so they initiated basically, it seems to me anyway, just based on what I've seen of the videos, etc., that they initiated the disruption. The school board super, the school board members, and or the superintendent who wanted to make a big deal out of the fact that this other person wasn't wearing a mask and you said it was fine. Did they claim then that you're saying we're fine with it? That was the disruption? Yes. I mean, and this community member, she was there probably, um, well, we found out later, probably 10 minutes before we were. And so that 10 minutes, Plus the 20, we sat there listening to the harassing behavior from the administration. Um, That's 30 minutes of literally attacking, harassing, intimidating an individual. And then when we, and then when we spoke up, that was a disruption. So a 30 minutes had gone by approximately when they could have been the board meeting, Mm -hmm. doing the school district business and commencing a meeting when they were all masked and there was one person in the room without a mask. Mm -hmm. And 
So what were they afraid of again? It couldn't have been COVID because that wouldn't explain why the superintendent was standing over within certainly three feet, if not six feet. I mean, the the bubble of uh, the safe space, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, she was probably like a foot away from her. So I just feel that was their, to me, excuse. But it got worse. And yeah. yeah, so you left, you came back, they wouldn't let you in. Correct. And the door was locked. Was it locked from the outside or locked from the inside? Um, well, the outside is actually just a key only. So they had to have locked it from the inside. Oh, really? So it potentially creating a safety hazard in case of fire by locking the door from the inside. Is that right? Oh, good question. I would say so. I don't honestly know what their egress procedures are for a district, a school district building, but I'm sure they have several. That's that's a interesting point. Thank you for that. I'll have to look into that. Well, someone who heard my interview with you on the Todd Herman program on KTTH asked me that question, and I thought, well, I don't know the answer to that. I'll, I'll ask Patty Bellamy. And so that's what I'm doing. I think that's, I can't imagine a school district building having such a system. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm not surprised at, to, I mean, I'm surprised at what they've done already. So I suppose having a lack of safety issues uh, for the door and that sort of thing, I, I mean, I guess we'd have to be prepared for that since they've gone to this extent to keep your viewpoint out of the school board meeting. So, but that wasn't the end of it because you're outside, you're standing out there for what I think you told me was approximately a half an hour going, what the hell just happened? And then they called the cops. Yes, they did. So exactly about a half hour of this, just standing outside being in shock that they locked us out. They're making fun of us for doing that. Um, one of the community members went to her car and got erasable chalk markers and she wrote on the building's door window, this is an illegal meeting. You are tyrants. Um, and she wrote on a couple of windows of the board member's cars. And from that, apparently Uh-oh. they called, they called the police. How would they have known that if they're inside at the meeting? Because they're all staring at us out the windows. Ah, so they could see the the sidewalk chalk or whatever kind of chalk it was being put on windows yes. and doors. I see. Yes. And they were all they were videotaping us too and laughing and just like I, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It was such a disturbing thing. What were you guys doing outside for that 30-minute period before the other woman, or I assume it's the other gal who got jacked up on uh, uh, harder charges, uh, what were you doing? Were you yelling at them? Were you banging on the door? Were you creating a disturbance? I mean, what was going on? No, we were literally, um, we logged into the Zoom portion, right, because they had continued this meeting. You know, and they're like, this is our public section for comment. You know, and we're like, comment, public, we're the public, we're here. We're right here. You locked us out. Mm. And we were just standing there again in, in just pure disbelief, trying to process and trying to figure out, like, what do you do about this situation? 
Right. Right. And what? another community member who was on the Zoom portion, he actually came and showed up to see firsthand, like, what was happening. Um, and I was standing there just trying to explain to him what we had already been through. And then two police officers showed up. And one came to talk to us, and one went inside to talk to the board members and the administrators. So you're having this surreal experience thinking, uh, my point was just to come to a meeting and tell them that I think critical race theory is inherently racist and you need to not inculcate our kids with this poison. And mm -hmm. that's all you wanted to do. And they did everything they could not to hear you. Yes, absolutely. And you were charged. To the point, yes, to the point of calling the police on me, us, and to the point of having the police officers cite us and give us a trespass admonishment for disorderly conduct on school district grounds. And that holds, if I step foot on any school district property, I could be prosecuted for criminal trespassing. Mm -hmm. On top of, if I commit another offense or crime during that time, I could be prosecuted for criminal burglary. That's insane. That is insane. So, I've, I've never, ever in my life been in trouble with the law. Not one time. I, I was beside myself. What do you really think was going on here? Is it because there was any uh, atmosphere around your going to the meeting? Did they get some idea that there was going to be trouble? Did they ever say so? What was the backstory about that? Because I saw a subsequent video. I think it was uh, Mel's mother who went to the district. And all of a sudden, I see Joey, Joey Gibson there, the Patriot mm -hmm. Prayer guy. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I wonder if this had something to do with their un outsized, no, no. ridiculous response to you guys. No, no, that video, that interview, or well, tried to be interview with Aaron Hansen, the vice superintendent for Washougal School District, that was after the fact. Mm -hmm. That was after all this. Right, right. But I was just wondering if Joey was involved in any of the other precursors. Um, no, I honestly had never met Joey Gibson, been involved with Joey Gibson in any capacity until this all occurred. Mm. No. Amazing. Yeah. Um, no, I really feel, you know, as soon as we walked in, we didn't really feel welcomed. There was no introductions. There was no hi, nothing. It was, I, I, it's hard to explain, but <laughs> right. like you just walk into an awkward situation and you already just feel this pressure or just uncomfortableness of the situation. Wow. Um, and after the fact, you know, several, several parents have reached out to us with their own stories, their own acknowledgments of this behavior from the school district of ignoring them, not hearing them, intimidating them, Etc. Etc. So I feel this is par for the course for them. Mm -hmm. I, we were not their first victims, 
and we probably, until things change, probably will not be their last. Okay. So this happens, uh, the, the cops came, you're cited for something, and, and now I expect that you've got some serious thinking to do about getting an attorney and suing for civil rights violations against you as well as, uh, well, civil rights violations, I think, are the bottom line, and open meetings law issues as well that seem to be in question. So what's the status of that? Yes, absolutely. So um, I've briefly communicated with two lawyers who are very interested in our case. They've seen our website. They've seen our videos. Um, So this coming week, the plan is to get together and lay out everything and go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So now the problem is in the interim, because now you can you pick up your kid from school? Can Mel go to her kids graduations? My understanding is that you cannot set foot on those properties. uh, So that of course, means that you can't go to school events, sports, that sort of thing. Right. That was the case. But when it was leaked to the district that I was going to be on the Lars Larson show live about this whole occurrence, (laughs) um, literally 13 (laughs) minutes before I went live with Lars Larson, (laughs) yeah, the Washougal Police Department got in touch with me because they decided, um, the Vice Superintendent Aaron Hansen decided so graciously to amend Oof. our trespass admonishments to the school district building only. Oh, wasn't that nice of them? So what's, I know, I thought- what's, what school building are we talking about? What Are we talking about your kid's school or are you talking about no. the district... District the office? district office okay. where the superintendent works, the vice superintendent, and where they hold all our open public board meetings. Mm. Wow. So you can't go to a yes. board meeting again. They've basically shut you out, literally have shut you yes. out. So that stands to reason that that's also a civil rights violation as well. I mean, you are, it's a First Amendment violation. It's a, and it's arguable that what they did on May 11th was an open meeting law violation as well. Yes. And also, I mean, there's, there's several legal matters here that need to be clarified and um, addressed Mm -hmm. because them citing us for trespass admonishment and using the police department basically as their third party. um, We were given no way and no means to address or appeal these citations, which is actually against the law. Oh, we have um, no recourse to fight these trespass admonishments that we receive from the district. Um, that's interesting. That's a what is it? Sixth Amendment or one of the one of the Eighth Amendment to uh, inability to uh, confront your accusers? Address your grievance. Yes, and address mm. your grievances. Yeah. To your elected officials. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, you've just got a whole passel of stuff here. So next move for you and Mel then. Well, again, we are going to pursue this. Um, you know, I think that maybe the beginning, like reversing our trespass admonishments and, 
you know, apologizing for this ridiculous behavior probably would have sufficed. But when one of the board members publicly went to the media and slandered our names to the public in these communities, um, and then they doubled down on that, and then they released a district statement, which was completely false about our actions and behaviors at that meeting, they took it to a whole nother level. Because ever since that day, I've had to defend my character as a person, as a community member, as a mother. Right. And so how, how goes the uh, defense fund? Um, it's going. We haven't had a huge, I guess, interest or donation to that yet, but I'm hopeful for sure. Mm -hmm. And we're just, honestly, we're going to just continue the fight. Like we're going to be holding more rallies. We're going to be putting pressure and attention on our school districts of what they're doing and how bad they have been silencing the public who they work for. It really, and hopefully we, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's just really astonishing. Keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, it is astonishing. And again, like overnight, you know, kind of my world took a big turn. I, I'm a single mother. I, I just work and I raise my daughter. Like that's my priority in life. I'm not a socialite. I'm not a political activist. I'm not, I'm not anything. And now here I am front and center. And I guess I'm just, I'm willing to take on that responsibility. And I'm honestly just trying to do the next right thing here mm -hmm. for our children. Well, what have I left off? What haven't we discussed yet? Your, how about if you just give me your 30-second elevator pitch about critical race theory and why you were going to speak out on it? Oh, well, I mean, segregation ended in schools in 1954. Here we are, 2021, recreating it. You literally want to tell our most vulnerable population, our children, that they are either the oppressed or the oppressor to insinuate that they are or could be racist to judge them by their color of their skin, by their character. When children know nothing of such things, it's, it's immoral and unjust to prey upon our children in this capacity. And I, for one, will not stand by and let them try to indoctrinate and segregate our children and set us back in progress 70-something years. Yeah, it's just another way of racism and segregation. You're right. It's exactly it what is. it is. It is. It absolutely is. And, and they're trying to define it as equity, diversity, and inclusion. And if you dig just under the surface, you find out really quick it has nothing to do with such things. What do you think it has to do with? Oh, again, absolutely. Everything I said, it's, it's a racist propaganda based, based on Marxism. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe it's to indoctrinate our children. To divide us 
Um, and also Absolutely. to put us into tribes and groups so that the individual is no longer held up as the institution that we are um, honored as in our U.S. Constitution. That's exactly what that's all about. Uh, Absolutely. You can, you can stick us into tribes and then you can begin the intertribal or intra or inner tribal warfare. And mm-hmm. then you can just treat people as groups and then and then it's much easier to order people around and control people if they're part of a group instead of f- f- in millions of individuals. Uh, that That's hard. That's like herding cats, which is, of course, what the founders wanted. And right. there you go. Well, exactly, right? Divide and conquer. Yes. In mass yeah. groups. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and our best to you and your effort to beat these guys because what they did over there at the Washougal School District was wrong, unconstitutional, illegal, and it should be um it should be resolved. And it should be Absolutely. resolved it should be resolved with as much fanfare as possible so that they also it's like a purpose pitch in baseball. You do that to make sure everyone else is watching. Don't even try it. Here it comes. And there you go. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and just letting me tell our story of what's going on here in our district. I greatly appreciate it. And if anybody wants to go read our story, hear about us, go to washugalmoms.com. It's all there. Thanks a lot. Patty Bellamy. Appreciate it. I've lived a lot of life in California. I started my married life there, my career. I left and came back and left and came back. Two of my three kids were born in California. I loved the predictability of the weather, Major League Baseball, going to the beach, stunning sunsets, the cutting edge of the Christian faith community, my own church family, meaningful ministry, meaningful work, lifelong friends. And I understand, at the most basic level, why hundreds of thousands of people are leaving California. If you ever want to get away from California Maybe in another life if you like to stay And the devil may call you when he thinks it's time You know that he'll be talking and you're still here Don't wait too long, cause you're almost there of Californians are considering leaving the state with the desire highest among millennials. I wanted to understand what the rest of the world was. I didn't want to be stuck in my tech bubble for the rest of my life. And that's also one of the reasons I came to Austin early. I think it's a reasonable question to say at what point does the state break? We're seeing that tested right now as we see the remote work environment. There's a lot to love about California, but I don't love the lawmakers who pass confiscatory tax rates because they think they know best how I should spend my own money. When it comes to tax structure for business, the Tax Foundation ranks California at the very bottom also, with only New Jersey ranked lower. 
what businesses are finding is that they're able to create much more value for their shareholders. They're able to generate higher profits. They're able to hire very high quality workers at lower salaries in other places. While tax rates increase based on how much you make, California's top marginal income tax rate of 13.3% is far higher than any other state. New York's, for example, is 8.8%. The conceit of lawmakers who believe they should have more of a say about where I live or how I drive, how I conduct my life. Turn off my lights at night and the air conditioner when it's hot because they promised someone at Davos they'd install more windmills. Rolling brownouts, wildfires, out of control because California officials are unwilling to manage forests and the backcountry. Vanity projects like the billion-dollar budget-busting train to nowhere. They wrote, passed a bill, and got Gavin Newsom to sign a bill, killing thousands and thousands of freelance jobs. How dare they? And then what did they do? Forgot to spend our money on the one thing Californians need the most. Pools, reservoirs to store scarce water. They plundered the money and got so greedy they stopped listening to people who were just regular folks. Even the ballers wanted out. Wealthy, influential individuals leaving recently include Oracle's Larry Ellison, Dropbox CEO Drew Houston, Palantir co-founder Joe Lonsdale, high-profile investors and influential personalities like Keith Rubboy, Tim Ferriss, Ben Shapiro, Peter Atia, and Joe Rogan, who's leaving California for Texas. I just want to go somewhere in the center of the country, yeah. somewhere it's easier to travel to both places, and somewhere where you have a little bit more freedom. More freedom. Leaving California on the Adult in the Room podcast. Ricky Bush, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. Leaving California. What was your story? Um, well, we lived there for about 20 years, so we're not original Californians. Uh, me and my wife are military brats, so we've lived all over. Uh, about 22 years ago, we moved there because I got an opportunity to own a collection agency with a partner, and we thought it was great. We, the first 10 years was awesome. The state was great, and then we moved from a town called Chico up into the mountains in a town called Paradise, Oh. and yes, in 2016, and then in 2018... The, I don't know if you heard of the campfire in Northern yeah. California that it pretty much devastated us. To, we lost everything. <sighs> so, and then after, you know, just the way California has gone, the politics, the, I had to close up business because the taxes and just the um, regulations and everything were just too much. We decided it was time for a change, time for a move. You could not start over in California, to your mind. No, there was no way. We, when we lost everything, we, um, we didn't think housing was going to be an issue. We didn't think about all that stuff and our nature. We actually jumped in and helped start an organization called the Butte Vet Help Outpost. And because in, in Paradise, California is probably one of the highest uh, concentrations of like uh, retired veterans, retired military personnel, things like that. 
you know, for an area. And there was a group of us that jumped in trying to help vets, trying to help them survive and, and deal with all the loss of the fire. And by the time we realized everything that was going on, it was, there, there was nowhere to live. I mean, we tried to get into probably 10, 15 places. Our insurance company tried to help us get into places. And we ended up, we had uh, our youngest son lived with us, our youngest daughter lived with us. And they both ended up living with other people, and we ended up moving into a stranger's house and living there for almost a year. Wow. Yeah. And it was all because of the Paradise Fire and then the campfires. Uh, and do you assess blame on the state of California to some extent for those, or to what do you attribute that? I mean, here you are just sort of struggling. Oh, very much so. They, one, the way they let pg and just run wild and not care how they do business. And two, they just, they don't, they quit taking care of, of the, the forest. They, they don't allow, you know, for the cleaning of the forest and things like that. that the, the campfire was ridiculous. I mean, it was spreading so fast because of all the underbrush and everything in the, in the, in the, in, in the woods and the forest. Well, we've heard that. And that's what Donald Trump said, as a matter of fact. Managed forests are actually better managed. What a concept. Yeah. So you are where now? We moved to Lexington, South Carolina, just outside of Columbia. How do you like it? We love it. And how do you find that in you know tangible ways different from California? Uh, well, first off, the people are so much friendlier. Uh, it's amazing. The cost of living is uh, like night and day. The home we bought here... Um, would probably go for we would have to if we were to purchase this home in California it'd probably be three to four million dollars and out here we it's nowhere near that you were depending on the care of others in California and you can buy a house in South Carolina oh no we yeah we had jobs we had all that stuff we we didn't lose our jobs or anything like that um you know so and when we we were able to transfer our jobs to South Carolina oh great that's but yeah, we were able to come out here and purchase a new home, and it was literally built what, three years ago now. And It's amazing. So you got a new home, nice people. I hear you have another side business going on as well. Tell me about that. Yeah, I actually, uh, we were going to buy a restaurant um, in Columbia last year in February. And then as, <laughs> as everybody knows, <laughs> March came around and pretty much shot that in the, you know, in the foot, and that was gone. So my wife said, why don't, you, why don't you start a food truck? Amazing. So we bought a trailer, I built it out, and now me and my son run a food truck, and my wife still has her full-time job. That's amazing. What kind of food do you serve? Uh, we do smoked brisket and chicken, and then from there we do things like uh, tacos and nachos and sandwiches, and so we kind of have a southern spin on it with a California spin, and so kind of my eclectic living of being a military brat and living all over the, the world, I've kind of put a little bit of all those different flavors into it. Tell me how your homecoming has been in South Carolina. Do you offer up that you're from California? Yeah, we well, we actually live in a neighborhood, too, that seems to have, it's a hodgepodge of people from all over, New York, California, the Midwest, the, the pe people that are from here. And we actually haven't had any problems at all. People here are genuinely receptive. It's more... Your nature towards them. 
I mean, I, I was kind of worried about it when I first got here, having California plates, all that stuff, and no, we've had no issues with anybody because we're from California. What's the change in the way of life there for you from West Coast to South Carolina? The biggest thing is the people. They're, they're nicer. I, in California, sometimes it's, you know, it's literally, if you look at somebody wrong, it, 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 they want to, it's a problem. And, 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 or you're not even looking at them wrong. You're just looking across a, a grocery store and they think you're looking at them. And, and out here you look at somebody and, and they, they wave, they say hello, they ask how you're doing. Um, you know, something as silly as, uh, you know, grocery carts. People put grocery carts back in the corrals here. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it, it sounds funny, but it's, it's just these little things that, you know, that, yeah, it's that uh, people are a lot more respectful. Kids are more respectful. Um, teenagers are a lot more respectful. Now, how old is your son? Uh, my son that works with me on the trailer is 19 now. Okay, so he's out of school, official school anyway, and moved with you to South Carolina. Yep. All, yeah, all three of my kids. Uh, I have an oldest son that's in the military. He's in the Air Force, but he's on this side of the country now too, thank goodness. And then my other three, they all followed us out here. So he's on this side of the country, as you put it. You recommended it to them. Do they have any problems with moving away from California? No, I think they're homesick with their friends a little bit. They they grew up all for, you know, their whole life going to the, knowing all the same people, growing up with everybody from school, you know, for the, all the way through school. And so moving out here, they didn't really know anybody. Luckily, my oldest daughter's fiance came out with her. So she has him. But I think that's their only thing is they miss their friends. Yeah. Yeah. No regrets, though, huh? No, not so far. And how long have you been there? Uh, we, I moved here in 2019. I got here in April of 2019. So you were ahead of the curb. Pretty much, yeah. It was time to go. We the To rebuild back in paradise, it would have cost us, I think, about four times what insurance paid out for. So you just left uh, the remnants of your house there and moved on? Yep. And like even friends of ours that live there now, they just told us that their uh, their insurance for their home, their fire insurance, just went to, but I think they said eight thousand dollars a year. I believe it. They don't want to lose money on stupid decisions that Californians make, like the state. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So no regrets. Nope. Absolutely none. So what does a typical day look like for you versus what it was in California? Um, well, my day hasn't, well, now it's a lot busier because of the food truck. I work a lot more hours, but yeah. um, now it's, we, we get up, we start briskets, and we prepare for the day, and, but I'll tell you the gas prices, the, you know, because I, I have generators and all the other stuff, the, the costs are a lot less. Amazing. How do you do your briskets? Slow and low, so it's, it's pretty much an hour and a half per pound. Okay. Go on okay. the smoker. What kind of rub do you put on? I have a rub that I've been using for about twenty years that I created myself. It's a a, co- a coffee rub with some paprika, some other spices. It's I like to think it's one of the best ones out there. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations on your new life. And thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. 
Next time on the Adult in the Room podcast, a retired Navy EOD tech, that means a guy who disarms bombs for special operators, whose story I discovered on Memorial Day weekend, and it is one that's a story of redemption and of purpose. It's really interesting what he's doing now and the stories he has to tell about then. It's all coming up next time on the Adult in the Room podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs. And it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.